0: Well, sport is back. We went without it for months, but now it's back. You may be one of those for whom it made no difference it being gone because you paid no attention to it when it was here. Uh, And if that's you, I sympathise with you. But that doesn't mean that I'm not happy for those uh, for whom sport being back is a massive relief and a huge cause for celebration. It's not quite as it was, though. It's a bit weird, isn't it? Because although sport is back, spectators aren't. Big, important matches are being played in empty stadiums. Instead of the roar of crowds, there's what I imagine is a somewhat eerie silence, perhaps with the background distant hum of traffic. I can't help but think it would be really strange to be there. I imagine that if I were one of the players, I'd miss the crowd there cheering me on, spurring me on to strive just that little bit harder to win. It's strange enough that some broadcasters are including artificial crowd noise when they broadcast matches. And crowds do actually make a difference. I read some research that claimed that the advantage that comes from playing a game in your home stadium is reduced or even eliminated when the crowd isn't there. The crowd's presence actually influences the outcome of the game. The Bible uses sporting analogies for the work of Christians, for the mission of the church. Paul says he wants to finish the race. He tells the Corinthians to run in such a way as to receive the prize. He tells the Galatians that they were running a good race, but that someone has cut in on them, keeping them from obedience. The church, as it carries out its mission in the world, is playing an away game. We're told that we're not of the world, that we're strangers in the world, that our citizenship is in heaven. This is not our turf. We're playing an away game." And no doubt you get a sense of that as you look around at our society today. Despite being significantly shaped by Christianity, our society is increasingly hostile to the good news of Jesus. People don't really want to hear that they need a rescue that they've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Even when there's the wonderful news to follow that there is a rescuer, that even though the world is in rebellion against God, God loved the world in such a way that he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die so that all who believe in him would not need to perish but have eternal life. It's not a message that many people are keen to hear. We are playing an away game. But despite that, Despite the fact that we are playing an away game, we needn't do it without a home crowd. And we're missing a trick if we don't look to them. Would you open your Bibles with me to Hebrews chapter 12? We're in the middle of a sermon series called What Kind of Church? In which we're looking at what kind of church God calls us to be in today's society. We've seen that we're to be compassionate, that we're to be family, that we're to be missional, and that we're to be holy and today we're going to see that we're to be rooted we can't be the church carrying out its mission today in the world unless we're rooted in our history we're not the church doing its thing in a vacuum instead we're the most recent installment of thousands and thousands of years of god's people faithfully serving him and we do well to remember it have a look down Uh, in your Bibles, to Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1. It says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run the race marked out for us. We've got this race to run, and though we're not at home, we've got a home crowd to spur us on. Verse 1 begins with the word, Therefore, the author of the letter to the Hebrews bases everything that he says in verse 1 on what has already happened in, verse, in, in chapter 11. Chapter 11 is all about faith. It's a who's who of the Old Testament faithful. We get an extraordinary list. It begins with Abel, uh, one of the sons of Adam and Eve, who by faith bought a better offering than his brother Cain. There's Enoch, who pleased God with his faithful life. And there's Noah, who by faith built an ark when there was no sign of rain. Then Abraham, whose faith brought him out of the land of his birth and into the promised land. We're told of the faith of Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses. We see the faith of the whole of Israel as they crossed the Red Sea on dry land. The faith that brought down the walls of Jericho and welcomed the prostitute Rahab into God's people. And though that only takes us a couple of chapters, a couple of books even, into the Old Testament, we're told that there's no time uh, to cover anyone else. It's only having said all this that the writer says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. As we run the race... Uh, set out for us, as we seek to be a compassionate, holy, missional family as a church, we need not do so alone. When we think of the church, perhaps we think of our church family here at St. Mark's Battersea Rise, and that's not wrong, but the church also refers to a much bigger group of people. The church, capital C, is all of God's people, all of God's people who there have ever been uh, worldwide and throughout history. If we're rooted in the history of our people, then we'll do a better job of being the church in our society today. And we should take all the help that we can get because it will be hard. Uh, It will be hard to run the race that God has set out for us. We're told that it will require perseverance. Easy things don't require perseverance. There's the ever-present temptation to sin coming at us from every direction, not to mention from within. Also, the pressure from society to conform with its ideas, mindsets, and beliefs. Running the race marked out for us by God is hard, but wonderfully we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. We can better persevere as the church today by drawing on the experience of the wider church. We can look to God's people throughout history for encouragement as we seek to cast off sin and anything else that might distract us from living God's way, carrying out uh, his mission, running the race set before us. It's always easier to do something, isn't it, if there's someone else doing it with you or if you know that someone else has done it before. Sticking with the running analogy, if you're a runner and you're training to uh, run further or improve your time, it will spur you on if you have your, your Strava app or whatever you use on your phone that shows you the runs of your friends and the times that they've got. If they can do it, then I can do it. One might say, but people have come such a long way since then. Uh, The world is completely different now. How can looking back at them uh, help me today? One might say that, but I'd say, have things changed so much? Could someone not draw encouragement today from a civil servant doing his best to live out his faith while working for a government that doesn't acknowledge his God, where some think ill of him, Uh, because of his faith. That's a pretty accurate description of Daniel, who lived about 2,600 years ago. Some of his contemporaries, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, are absolute heroes of mine when it comes to standing up for your faith in in a public context. We are playing an away game, but we don't need to do so uh, without a home crowd. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. How can we take advantage of these witnesses, though? How can we be rooted in the history of God's people? Well, we need to read our Bibles. That might sound like a pretty stock standard sermon application, but it's true. We can't be encouraged by God's people from biblical times unless we're familiar with them. And how do we get familiar with them? Well, they're all here in the Bible for us to find out more about and be encouraged by. It's when we're familiar with them that when we are tempted to sin or feel like giving up the race set before us, we can think, but what about so-and-so, the time they did such-and-such, and and be encouraged to throw off everything that hinders us, the sin that so easily entangles, and run with perseverance that race. Furthermore, we're in the fortunate position Of having 2,000 years of Christians uh, to look back on uh, since the letter to the Hebrews was written. We are surrounded by an even greater cloud of witnesses and we can find out about those Christians as well and be encouraged by them also. Again we can read about them there are all kinds of biographies and autobiographies of all kinds of Christians for us to read. You might be thinking, great, Nick, I'd love to be encouraged by God's people from history, but I'm not a big reader. And that's okay. While I was uh, preparing this sermon, I was feeling judged by this big, uh, weighty biography of Jonathan Edwards. Uh, he was a, 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 a theologian and, uh, and pastor in the 1700s. This book has been sitting, judging me from my bookshelf for about four years unread, and looking at it this week, thinking about the fact that we should be encouraged by people from history, I was still unconvinced that I was going to read it. And so I started listening to it uh, on an audiobook, and I'm now uh, one third of the way through. And finding out more about his life has encouraged me in, in lots of ways, like encouraging me to pray more, encouraging me to think about God more. If 18th century American theologians aren't your thing, and let's face it, they quite possibly may not be, there are any number of other Christians uh, to choose from. What about uh, Brother Andrew, who smuggled Bibles uh, across the Iron Curtain when it was illegal to do so? Or or Corrie ten Boom, whose family sheltered Jews and who survived Nazi concentration camps uh, along with her faith? Or what about... uh, Uh, Stephen Lungu, who uh, was converted in a Christian tent meeting in Zimbabwe, which he'd originally shown up to bomb as a member of a gang. I'm gutted that I can't find my copy of a book called Warriors of Ethiopia um, about Ethiopian evangelists and missionaries uh, who took the, the gospel to parts of southern Ethiopia that hadn't heard it before in the last century. And that's not to mention uh, the likes of Elizabeth Elliot, uh, William Taylor, Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr. And you can go way further back than them. I'm pretty sure I heard recently that someone in our church family was reading Augustine's Confessions, uh, written in the 4th century. We are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And that's motivation for us to resist sin and run the race set out for us as the church. Their faith is an encouragement for us to persevere. Why not make it a goal this summer to get to know one of God's people from the Bible better so that you can be encouraged by them? If you're really keen, uh, why not commit to getting to know a Bible character and a Christian from the last 2,000 years as an encouragement for you to persevere? One thing to say, though, as you begin, is that no matter who you choose, they won't be perfect. This crowd of witnesses will encourage us Uh, To persevere but they are only human they all had blind spots they'll all have thought the wrong thing at times they'll all have done the wrong thing at times be encouraged by them without idolizing them because they are only human one thing uh, among others that they should do is to point us to Jesus they can encourage us but only Jesus can save us their faith can encourage us but we look to Jesus for salvation that's why the writer to the hebrews doesn't stop at the end of verse 1 of chapter 12 but goes on therefore since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marks, marked out for us fixing our eyes on jesus the pioneer and perfecter of faith for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, considering him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. If we root ourselves in the history of God's people, their faith will encourage us to persevere in the race that God has marked out for us as the church today. But it's ultimately Jesus who is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. He is our perfect example. Considering him, his endurance and perseverance in the face of opposition, will help us to persevere also, knowing that having overcome the world, he is now sitting at the right hand of God. When he came to live in a world in rebellion against God, he was very much playing an away game, as it were. As we seek to live as his people today, as the church in our society and culture, we're very much playing an away game also, But if we're rooted in the history of God's people, if we look to the great cloud of witnesses that surrounds us, we needn't be running the race uh, without a home crowd. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you do not call us to run the race set out for us alone. Thank you uh, for your word, for the Bible. Uh, Thank you that you have caused it to be written for us. Thank you for the example that there is for us in it of so many of your people. Help us to look to their faith as an encouragement for us to persevere in our faith, running the race that you have set out for us as your church in this society today. Help us to look back, uh, not just on them, uh, but the Christians of the last 2,000 years. Thank you that we are part of a much bigger group of Christians uh, than than just what we have here at the local church and help us to draw on the experience of many uh, to help us run the race you have set out for us today. Amen.